Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in the book of Job. Let's go back to the Old Testament, the book of Job, chapter 38, and let's begin today in verse 1, and let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word today, we ask the We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and touch our eyesight, our spiritual eyes, so that we can see what it is that you're trying to get over to us through your word, through the anointing of your spirit. And we ask this of you in Jesus, then we pray. And together we say, amen. Praise God. Job chapter 38, verse 1, we're going to talk today about receiving extreme unction. Now, I know for those of you perhaps that were raised in the Catholic Church, you hear that and you think that's similar to last rites. In other words, extreme unction is what the priest would do if you're in a state where you're just about to die. (laughs) And you say to your family members as you lay on the bed, bring the priest, I'm about to die, I want to receive extreme unction. Well, get one good final blessing, receive communion before you cross through the veil and step over into glory, praise the Lord. But, but today, I, I want you to receive a different type of unction or anointing, praise God. And maybe you are on a bed of sickness, maybe, maybe even on a deathbed, praise God. But the Lord can get you up and get you off of that bed and give you a different type of extreme unction. So we're not willing to let you go yet. I believe you still have a destiny and a purpose, and it's not quite done yet. And until it's done, you need to stay here and get it all wrapped up, and then you can go and uh, enjoy uh, the glories of heaven and, and the wonders of being in the presence of the Lord. All right. Now, Job chapter 38, verse 1, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he's, uh, he says some things to him and begins to basically get into a very uh, prolonged but fascinating discourse as God begins to share some things with Job to pull him up out of the darkness that he is in. Now, while this is a literal whirlwind that the Lord is speaking out of, There's also a prophetic play on words here in the Hebrew, and while we know that God is speaking out of this cloud, uh, this turning, fiery cloud, uh, where God's brilliance, in a sense, is concealed, but it gives God the ability to approach Job and talk to him, but in in the Hebrew, the word whirlwind is the word segnera. And so when you understand the meaning, you see that there's like a double punch meaning here. There's the literal of God speaking out of the cloud, out of the whirlwind, but uh, it conveys the meaning of this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind of grief. And so that, that word whirlwind contains the meaning itself of grief. That's, that's baked into that word. In other words, in the midst of Job's sorrows, uh, it's like God is saying to him, out of this whirlwind of grief, I want to give you some things to think about, and I want to talk to you to pull you up and show you the bigger picture. So God understands what 
his man Job has been going through. And so he sees the grief. And out of the grief of what he's going through and out of the whirlwind itself, God is now going to begin to talk to Job. Now, that's the context. And let's now go over to, uh, well, let's look at a couple of things along the journey. Uh, still in Job chapter 38, God gets into a discourse about many of the different animals that he created. Uh, verse 39, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? So now we're talking about the highest apex creature in the animal kingdom. That would be the lion. But now in chapter 39, verse 1, we see the mention of the wild mountain goats. Verse 5, we see the wild donkey. Verse 9, we have the wild ox. And verse 13, God begins to talk about the ostrich with the emphasis being that uh, this is a bird that really doesn't have wisdom. Uh, and can you actually believe that there was a... Um, like a, like, a, like a fanaticism. It was about 100 years ago, a little bit more than 100 years ago, where people uh, were peddling ostrich feathers for sale. And they would sell it to mainly um, uh, people that had never traveled very much. And they would say that these are real ostrich feathers, and they're ultra rare. And of course, the, the reality was they were everywhere. If you went to where the ostriches were at, there were feathers all over the place, but they were selling them and people were paying premium prices uh, for something that was like uh, as common as grass just about. And so, of course, when the reality of the truth was unveiled that, hey, these things aren't worth a penny, <laughs> the market crashed. <laughs> so while the ostrich is pictured as this bird that has no wisdom, uh, sometimes it seems that people can be suckered pretty well too. And we all want to walk in the wisdom of God so that we're not the ones buying ostrich feathers. Praise God. Now, verse 19, we have the, uh, the uh, insights of one of God's very majestic creatures, maybe uh, the most uh, uh, visually appealing of the animal creatures, which is the horse. But verse 26 Let's uh, get into the bird kingdom for a little bit, okay? Now, verse 26. Now, this is still God talking to Job out of the whirlwind, dealing with Job's grief, pulling him up out of that situation so that he can get a big picture of how everything is working under God's control. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom? In other words... God is asking Job, but he's already been through these other animals, and Job has already seen uh, there's a lot more going on here than I've ever realized. So the hawk, does it fly by its own wisdom? In other words, did the hawk go down to the Verizon store and order a GPS and say, attach it to my back? That way, when I fly around, uh, I know where I'm going. But no, it doesn't do that. And not only does it not do that, but even from infancy, it's like it's already baked into the brain of the bird somehow within its DNA that it knows what to do. Praise the Lord. So the hawk is a very, very interesting animal, and God has created it by divine design. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom? Well, Job would have to say, no, no. 
Now, of course, if you may, if you met an evolutionist, uh, who would of course also be an atheist, you, you can't be an evolutionist without being an atheist. Uh, there are some Christians, bless their hearts. They've never, they've never read the first, uh, five books of the Bible. And you clearly read Genesis. It'll clear it all up for you. God created everything that you see, the mountains, the trees, the birds, the air, the space, the stars. Stars didn't form. God created them. That's all in the Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the thing about an evolutionist is they would say, well, the hawk evolved. Yes. Over millions. No. Billions of years. Have you ever noticed that it somehow they feel like if they throw more time at it and make the numbers bigger with the time frame, that somehow it could still happen? So they say three billion years ago when the world was created, well, why not make it 50? We'll give you 100 billion years. But it's just never going to happen. This is all make believe stuff. It didn't happen. It's like taking a watermelon and shooting it with a shotgun. Something doesn't come together out of a big bang. Uh, it's pandemonium. It's blown to pieces. It's disorder and chaos. So anyhow, God created the hawk. But, you know, somebody might say, well, it evolved. But that would be like you and me, and we're walking on an island. Let's say we were out on a ministry fishing trip, and the boat sunk. And, uh, well, we've got, we, we swim to an island, and we know we're going to get found because we're not too far off the mainland. But we're walking the uh, island, but it has been reported that nobody has ever walked on the island before. It is still an unexplored island. So we walk on it for the first time, and while we're walking, as, and we're talking about the Lord, and we're talking about how we're going to be rescued soon, while we're walking, we find one of these laying on the beach. We find a brand new modern day uh, cell phone and we look at it and we would say uh, somebody uh, must have left that here. Somebody has been here before. The evolutionist says, looks at that same thing and says, oh no, that evolved. The, that, that's how that got here. It evolved. <laughs> but Pastor Stephen, this is complex. This is a piece of junk compared to the mind, the brain of a hawk. This is a piece of stupid junk, much less compared to your mind, and you're made in the image of God. So uh, the, the lie of evolution, uh, you really have to be ignoring reality on purpose to uh, go along with that. But we know it's a deception. It's, it's, it's in itself its own religion. Praise the Lord. But we know who the creator is. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom? Obviously not. God put all of that inside of the hawk so that he knows what to do. Now, in my backyard, seems to be a little bit of a hawk paradise in the summer. There is a big telephone pole back there. And uh, the big hawks, uh, they like to go to the top of it from time to time and sit up there and look around and act like the king of the hill. Because as far as being on top of the food chain, they are. Uh, and so all of the other little critters, uh, from maybe a little groundhog or, or the rabbits that streak across the field, they've all got to be ultra careful when Mr. Hawk arrives on the scene. So, uh, God put all of that wisdom into this amazing animal. And I've seen them fly in before from somewhere. I don't know where they're coming from, but they fly in because they're living in our backyard in the trees. And I've seen them fly through those trees 
which are very dense with branches going all over the place, fly, and they fly in there like 40 or 50 miles an hour, and they never hit anything. And you think, how do they do that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hawks are very fascinating. I've always enjoyed them. One time when I was in Ireland, I got to um, uh, work with the hawk. And if I have that video, I'll, um, I'll upload it right here. I believe I can pull it up. Praise God. Check this out. And that there, right. Amen. That was a lot of fun. So um, I, I like hawks. They're very, very beautiful creatures. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Now think about that just for a moment. The hawk spreading its wings toward the south. Why would it do that? Well, it does that. Because it is a migratory animal. You know, my wife and I were on top of a local mountain, and I think we put it up on one of the YouTube shorts uh, just the other day. But that mountain is a migratory flight path for the eagles and the hawks that are moving north and south through North Carolina. They go right over that ridge. Praise God. Here's some interesting facts about hawks that maybe you didn't know. Hawks are very strong and powerful birds. Their feet are equipped with sharp, curved talons for capturing prey. And their strong beaks are hooked for biting and tearing flesh. Swift flyers. In other words, they fly very quickly. They're very swift. Some hawks can attain speeds of over 150 miles per hour when diving. That's faster than your car, probably, going all out. Some species undergo long migrational journeys, traveling thousands of miles each year, which is a testimony to their strength and stamina. The sense of hearing is excellent, and their eyesight is the best in the entire animal world. Now, you could, accept, you could say they have extreme eyesight. Actually, it's better than the eagle. Did you know that? Now, the, the eagles are the high flyers, but the hawk actually has better eyesight than an eagle. Not only can hawks see greater distances than humans, but their acuity, the ability to see clearly, is eight times that of ours. I think this is amazing because with the hawk, uh, let me give you an example. If you have a 4K television at home, then with that 4K television, you have very high resolution, 4,000 resolution. But uh, there are televisions that can go up to 8K, 8,000 resolution, and they're probably going to be able to go a little bit higher. The, when you get up to 8K, the, the clarity or the acuity is so clear that let's say you have uh, like a sliding glass door. If you had a TV that's 8K and made it in the size of a sliding glass door, uh, you would, people would think that's the door. And you put the TV there or put that TV in a window and put an image on the TV that people think they're looking through a window, but they don't know they're looking at a TV. You hide the trim, the border. You wouldn't even know. In other words, it looks real world. Okay, so with the hawk, his acuity is eight times higher than a human. 
So while we're watching a 4K TV, maybe, maybe a few of us might have an 8K TV. If you go over to his house and visit his home and you go over to see your buddy, Mr. Hawk, he's watching a 64K TV. <laughs> That's just his normal world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now in the human realm, 2020 is considered perfect vision. And it is possible to get better than perfect. Uh, one of our uh, Air Force pilots, Chuck Yeager, very famous test pilot, and um, he had phenomenal vision. He had 2010 vision. So he had better than perfect human vision. But a hawk's eye is still way, way beyond that. Praise the Lord. So the hawk is a fascinating animal, and it spreads its wings towards the south to catch that warmth and to pick up on the magnetic circles uh, that are within the earth. And he knows when to leave where he's at and to begin to head south so that he can stay warm during the winter. Woo, praise God. Amen. Now verse 26. Now watch this. We're going somewhere today. And God is going to, by the Holy Spirit, administer to you today extreme unction. Woo, praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now watch. Watch where we're going today. We're working here with Mr. Hawk. Now Mr. Eagle. Verse 27. Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides, on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey. It observes its eyes observe from afar. An eagle can see a little mouse from uh, uh, like a mile away. He could see a mouse uh, walking around on a, like a prairie field or something like that. And down he goes for his lunch. Amazing eyesight. Now, right here in Job chapter 39, uh, verse 27, 28, as it's talking about the eagle, the rabbis, they say this has a double meaning. Of course, this is referring to the eagle that flies, uh, and which is a very beautiful creature. But also, they say, the rabbis say, this is a reference to God Almighty Himself. In the sense that we see, that's, that's referred to prophetically. We see in Scripture that, we see Scriptures like God, uh, He bore them on eagles' wings, talking about His people. So often God can be personified as an eagle. Now you understand that God's not a bird, but He can be pictured as, as an eagle in the sense because of His majesty, its power, and its great flying ability. And so they say that this is referring to God dwelling uh, in the midst of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. And they, they use the reference, on the rock it dwells and resides. Now that would be on Mount Moriah, on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. So there on that rock where the Ark of the Covenant set, on Mount Moriah, uh, there's an out, uh, rock outcropping that is now under the um, the the, uh, the shrine uh, that the Muslims have there now. But there on that rock outcropping, there is a flat carved insert area that is the exact spot where the Ark of the Covenant once sat. The, the proportions are exactly the same of the biblical size of the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where it used to sit. Side note. There has been some teaching recently over the last 10 years 
that the temple, the temple that Solomon built, the temple that Zerubbabel rebuilt, the temple that Herod built and expanded, which was the temple that Jesus went into. There has been teaching over the last 10 years that, that, that the temple was not actually on uh, Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount, but it was over there by the city of David. My friends, that is absolute baloney. That is such a total fish story, fish tale, you know. <laughs> what I mean by that, it's like, you know, fishermen exaggerate. Uh, trust me, that is completely unfounded garbage, and it's actually anti-Semitic. So um, the evidence is overwhelming that the temple was on the Temple Mount and on Mount Moriah. It's overwhelming. And if you ever go up even on the Temple Mount, it's even, the evidence is overwhelming. You'd have to be like, almost like purposely misleading people to create a fabricated story like that. The only reason you might do it is to sell a bunch of books, but the book, the books would be total hogwash. Okay, praise God. So on the rock it dwells and resides. That's the eagle, also as a representation of God, dwelling on the mercy seat in between the two cherubim on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. So you can see what the rabbis would be getting to uh, with that description right there. Praise the Lord. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the eagle. The adult eagle measures from 30 to 40 inches from head to tail. That's about three feet. That's pretty big. But he has a wingspan of seven to eight feet and he weighs 8 to 14 pounds. By the way, the female is always larger than the male. That's true also with the hawks. The distinctive white head and tail feathers appear when the eagles mature at 4 or 5 years old. Bald eagles are, and by the way, they're not bald. That just means white, white head. Bald eagles are believed to live 30 years or longer in the wild. So they have very long lifespans. They mate for life. Isn't that beautiful? And they build huge nests in the tops of large trees near, near rivers, lakes, and other wetlands. The adults will often return to the same nest year after year, making additions to the nest each year. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with wanting to make an addition to your home. Maybe add on an a, a in-law suite or expand the garage or something like that. I mean, we even see that in nature. Eagles are doing that. Some eagles' nests can reach up to 10 feet across and weigh up to 2,000 pounds. Eagles feed primarily on fish. Uh, both the male and female build the nest, but the female chooses the nest tree. Mm, that's beautiful. Often in Scripture, particularly like Proverbs 31 and other portions of Scripture, you see the woman's anointing uh, to watch over the home, to, to guide the home, to decorate the home. I, I don't think men make very good decorators of homes. And you see in Scripture and also even in the animal kingdom, uh, let's let the lady do that. <laughs> she somehow has the touch, the niche, the ability to do that. Praise the Lord. And you know, something else very interesting about the eagle as that their, their grip strength has a PSI per square inch of 400 pounds. So an eagle could uh, literally, with those talons and that tremendous grip strength, they could grab your arm and break it. They could squeeze it until your bones broke if they wanted to. They are that strong with their grip. So we see the beautiful hawk, and we see the eagle. By the way, hawks and eagles 
um, it's both against the law, not only in all of the states, but state laws, but also federal. Uh, it's against the law to kill a hawk or an eagle. You can actually go to prison for doing that. And of course, I don't know why anybody would do that, but I'm glad they have those laws to protect uh, these beautiful animals. Praise the Lord. Now, the Lord is talking to Job out of the grief, out of the whirlwind. Job's grief is beginning to come off of him. He's beginning to understand that things in life are a lot more complex than what he has ever realized. And he didn't know the the extremeness of these animals. He didn't know the extremeness of the depths of the wisdom and the glory of God. And he probably should have just been quiet. As a matter of fact, once God finishes talking, Job says, I, I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth. <laughs> it's already messed up too much already. <laughs> but, you know, God was speaking to Job primarily based on his corner of the world what he understood, what he had knowledge of, and of course, Google did not exist at that time. But I would like to go a little bit further with the extreme area, and along with the hawk and with the eagle. I'd like to stick one more in there, and uh, God keeps talking to Job and even ships over to the dinosaur area and things along that line. But um, I want to talk about another bird just for a moment, because God... God wants you to have an extreme unction. The hawk has an extreme eyesight. He's very normal in some other areas. He flies like other birds. He eats food just like other birds do. But when it comes to eyesight, he's the king of the hill. Now, the eagle, um, he's also very normal. He has talons. Uh, he flies like other birds do, but uh, he's got a uniqueness. He has a quality of majesty that no other bird has. He has something magnificent about him of beauty and power, grace and strength. So he has an extremeness in him. And the eagle would be a little bit like a, a Superman. He's kind of like got all of these characters uh, of greatness combined in him. But uh, he still has some that would be even extreme beyond others, the, uh, the ability to see ultraviolet, all kinds of other things that are almost like superhuman power. Praise the Lord. But let's go even further. Can we do that? There was a little bird. Let me, let me put him up on the screen now. Little tiny fellow, only weighs about three ounces. And this, my friends, is the beautiful Arctic tern. And I like those, uh, uh, I like the beautiful wings and the way he looks. And he's a very beautiful little creature and very normal in many ways. He just looks like a sweet little bird. What's so different about him? Pastor Stephen, I've got little birds in my backyard. I see them every day. What's so different about this guy? Well, this guy is a world champion. Nobody else is able to do what he does. This is the Arctic Tern, and he loves water. And uh, this uh, little bird here, he lives in the Arctic. That's where he gets his name. Now, during the unbearably cold, dark Arctic winter, the Arctic Tern, he flies south. So he's going to go from the North Pole all the way down to the south. He's going to go from the Arctic down to the Antarctic. And what he's doing is he's following the summer season all the way to the Antarctic Circle on the other side of the earth. Praise the Lord. Now, here's what's amazing. 
Arctic uh, terns, they do not fly in a straight line. But if they were to fly in a straight line from where they start to where they end, if it was a straight line, it would be 18,641 miles. But they don't ever fly in a straight line. Why? Well, maybe there's a storm. And because they're flying primarily over water, they'll, they'll go hundreds of miles out of the way, and they don't mind doing it just to avoid the storm. Or maybe there's a place they stopped at before. Maybe it's even uh, in Australia or some distant spot that once they stop that, they'll go back there again. So often, they usually, on this one-way trip, they usually fly right around somewhere around 25,000 miles. And you know what's wild? They do it uh, out and back every year. Is that not wild? So what is that? That's 50,000 miles that they're flying down and then back. Praise the Lord. What is that? That's extreme. This makes the Arctic Terns migration one of the longest of any animal on the earth. Praise the Lord. Now listen to something fascinating. And God's going to minister to you extreme unction today. Mm -mm. Like a lot of other birds, the Arctic tern eats fish. They catch fish by gliding over the ocean, and then they plunge their feet or beaks into the water to skim fish near the surface. Okay, that's all, that's all nice. Arctic terns have beaks that are almost the same shade of a red tomato and also the same color of, the, of their webbed feet. They have gray and white bodies and a head of jet black feathers, which looks almost like a baseball cap. Isn't that cute? Arctic terns mate for life. Praise the Lord. And they also, like the eagle, can live to be more than 30 years old. And of course, this is a very long lifespan for such a small bird that has such an extreme lifestyle. My friends, in your journey of life, you will find many things that you like. You will find many things that you will maybe want to venture into. Maybe you want to play the piano. Maybe you want to learn uh, some type of new software. Maybe you want to learn a foreign language. Maybe you want to uh, uh, join a circus and ride a motorcycle through the hoop uh, upside down over and over. I don't know. Maybe you want to wrestle a grizzly bear uh, in a, in a uh, sideshow. I, I, I don't know. Um, but you will find that you have millions and millions of things that you could try out, step into, or do, or something like that. But what will happen is that as you journey through life and as you walk with the Lord, you will realize that in many ways of your life, there's great normalcy, okay? You put your shoes and your socks on just like everybody else does. You eat food just like everybody else does. But... As you walk with the Lord, you'll realize that while there are all of these options out there of things that you could do, try out, you eventually begin to target in on your gifting and your niche. And as you do, you can begin to dial in on what I would not only identify as your uniqueness, but something that God baked into you, put into you that you now start gravitating towards because just like the hawk, God asked Job, uh, did you give the hawk its wisdom? How does it know how to fly? 
How does it not bang in the things? How does it know how to do all of this? How does it know to pull out its wing and fly south so that it doesn't stick around and get frozen during the winter? How does it know all of this? What, especially when it's never done it before. But yet it just responds and it knows what to do. I'm saying that God, just like the hawk, just like the eagle, and just like this Arctic tern that just starts this journey because it knows what to do, God has put something inside of you where you know what to do. Look, now watch. If you'll follow it and really give God your attention in that area, it can develop into an extremeness. Are you ready for this? Where other people stand back, they see your life. They see what you do for the glory of God, uh, what, whatever, regardless of whatever career field you're in, and they see what you're doing and God's touch upon your life, and they, they look at you and they actually, they actually are like amazed. They're, they wonder. They're like in awe, like, how did you do that? How did you paint that? How did you, how did you compose that? How did you develop that? How did you come up with that business idea? What a concept. How did you, and there, there's something about an extreme unction where you're still a normal person, okay? You still have to sleep. You still need to brush your teeth. You still do it. But, but there's a, there is one area where there's great, uh, great unction. I would even say extreme unction. And if you will walk close with the Lord, you'll begin to find it. Why? Because you already put it in you. And trust me, if you put it in a bird, a little bird that weighs three ounces, he puts something in you too. Pastor Stephen, I'm just normal. I'm happy to be normal. Well, I like being normal too. I could eat anything I want, but I like, I like a good pizza. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm, I'm normal. I don't always wear a suit or dress clothes. I do have some blue jeans I also own too. I wear those sometimes as well. But regardless of how normal you can be. And we thank God for that. Okay. Um, because nobody likes an arrogant, you know, uh, prideful person. Nobody wants to be around people like that. They're no fun. Okay. But you want to be normal, but the balance actually is to be normal and to have that extreme area as well in your life. And with that extremeness also, you need to also make sure you have that normalcy. But there's a lot of believers, they have all normalcy. And there's no extreme unless maybe they look back in their old days when they used to be a sinner and maybe there was extreme drinking. Maybe there was extreme partying. Maybe there, there was extreme cursing, <laughs> right? But now you become a Christian and suddenly now everything's normal. There, there's no extreme anywhere. But trust me, it's in there in you somewhere. Somewhere it's in you. And as you begin to walk close with God, it'll begin to come up. And if it's, if it's, if it's something that's simple, but is extreme, like the bird of just, you're basically, he's in flight all the time. This Arctic turn is basically living his life on the wings of the air. Regardless of what it is, the other birds look back and say, wow, how do you, how do you do that? But for him, it's easy. I was born to do this. And not only that, I like it. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. So you have to continue the walk with the Lord and find it. Now, why does the hawk stretch his wing towards the south? Because he's got to move to where the warmth is going to now be coming from when it begins to get cold. What is this? Is it the migratory flight path? Yes, yes, yes. 
What is it for the believer? It's the endless pursuit of God to stay up with the sun. What are these birds doing when they're flying all the time in, in these flight paths going south all the time during the winter? What's going on? They're, they're in, in a sense, trying to have a perpetual summer that never ends. I'll give you an example. The Arctic turn, if he stays there in the Arctic and he does not go south and fly his little 25,000-mile journey, which only takes him a few months because he's flying day and night. Can you believe that? He can eat while he's flying, just fly down over the surface of the water, scoop a few fish up, go right back up and keep on flying. Did you know he can even sleep while he's flying? <laughs> he just glides and he's so light. The wind carries him. He just puts his wings, keeps his wings out. He doesn't even have to flap and he goes to sleep, sleeps on the fly. Woo, praise the Lord. But here's the catch. If he were to stay in the Arctic and winter begins to come and he does not leave, if he stays, he's going to die. Why? Because the, the winters in the Arctic are 24-7 dark. It's dark all day. It's dark all night. And guess what? Now you can't see anything. Now if you go out and try to fly over the water and scoop something up, you can't even see it. You can't, you can't see if there's any fish. It's too dark. So it's either fly, listen to me, it's either fly or die. These animals are in a perpetual pursuit of the sun. It is the chase of the endless summer. Some of you, that's your favorite time of the year. You hate it when it's over. <laughs> I kind of like the fall the best. But either way, I like sunshine, and I like good weather. Praise the Lord. But that's what they're after, the endless pursuit of summer. And so for the believer, it has to be the endless pursuit of God, because you could be on the top in your field now, but... If you don't keep in flight, if you don't fly, you will die. You've got to make the journey. You've got to stay on your thing. You've got to keep developing your thing. You have to keep growing in the anointing. Praise God. You have to stay extreme in that area. Now, I don't mean like foolish or fanatical or bizarre. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about where people would look at what you do, and in some ways they would say, that's extreme. But why is it extreme? Because they can't do it. And that's fine. They recognize that. They, they wouldn't even want to try. <laughs> but for you, it's normal. Why? God's called you to do that. That's your thing. That's your thing. So if it's this little bird and you fly 25,000 miles, you're having the time of your life. And you get down there, stay there for a little while, and then you do it all over again, fly all the way back. <laughs> you spend almost all of your life in the air. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Extreme. Amen. I was talking with a friend of mine, and I asked him about his phone number. His last four digits were 1948-1948. I said, hey, uh, did you choose that number on purpose? He said, no, they gave that to me. I, I didn't choose it. Just randomly, the phone company gave it to me. Uh, you know, that's the year that Israel was established, reestablished as a nation, 1948. I said, how many times have you been to Israel? He said, 137 times. <laughs> 137 times? <laughs> most people, most Christians, if they ever do go, it's only like once. Maybe they're in their entire life, and for many, they save and save to make that one trip. See, my grandmother, my grandmother and grandfather, uh, they made it. One time, they made it to Israel, and I believe they sowed a seed of destiny. And now I'm not only going, I'm leading tours, but 
They made it, but for them, it was a one and done. It was the ultimate. But I'm like, you've, you've been 137 times? Yeah, and I'm still going. <laughs> and he is going back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> That's extreme. Yes, but for him, it's normal. And there's a purpose in it. You know, he's not just trying to accrue air miles. There's, he's, it's a purpose. Praise God. Amen. Well, see, many would look at that and say extreme. But I'm, I'm telling you, there is somewhere in you, God's already put it in you. I don't know if you've discovered it or not, but there's an extreme in you somewhere. And God wants it to come out. You need to have the dream for the extreme. Woo, praise God. Yes, be normal. Eat your ice cream. Enjoy your life. Praise God. Mm -mm. But let that extreme come forth. Mm, praise the Lord. Lift your hands. The Holy Spirit wants to administer. Uh, administer. <laughs> he wants to administer extreme unction to you right now. Is he going to turn me into a bird that flies? No, no. That's, that's the bird, the Arctic turn. Okay. Let him do his thing. Remember, remember, there's millions of things you can do. Your thing is unique. You've got to do your thing. Your extreme thing is the thing that God has put into you to do. Don't try to copy somebody else. Don't try to act like an eagle and you jump off a cliff. And then we read a sad story about you in the newspaper. He thought he was an eagle and he jumped. He had studied and read many eagle books, but for some reason when he jumped, he didn't fly. He crashed. My friends, find your thing. Find your thing. Get ready to receive extreme unction. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today. We thank you that you, O oh God, are the almighty, all-wise God. You created everything. You created Adam and Eve. You created man. You created this planet. You created the stars and the moon. God, you're an awesome God. And within your animal kingdom, we see your wisdom of how there is an instinctive nature of knowing what to do. And every different species has its uniqueness. And then even within species, there are diversities of uniqueness. I pray for that person watching right now that wants to discover their extreme unction and step into it. Father, I pray that that anointing come up on them now to know it, to manifest it, to walk in it. Let them walk in the extreme unction. There are a few. You will walk in the extreme unction of giving. Now, who is the ultimate? The Heavenly Father. Nobody will ever, ever outgive God. He gave His Son. He gave His sinless, perfect Son. The second person of the Godhead deity, Jesus. God gave His Son the ultimate extreme giver. Mm -mm. But some of you are going to be touched and blessed in a way where prosperity flows like hot oil. And you're going to have the ability to give. Not unsanctified giving, but Holy Spirit giving. What I mean by unsanctified giving is people that want you to give simply because they have a need. And they want you to be an emotional-based giver and respond to every need out there. No, uh, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. But you've already been through that training course and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to, you're going to be an extreme giver. Woo! Praise God. See, Jesus in many ways was an extreme, um, an extreme man. 
I mean, after all, how many people have you met who have prayed so hard that they burst all of their capillaries uh, and blood starts coming out of their pores of their head? Have you ever once been in a prayer meeting where somebody was praying so hard they started sweating drops of blood? Uh, Pastor Stephen, that does sound a little bit extreme. Uh, yes, that's Jesus. Praise the Lord. Normal? Yes, in many ways, because he was just as much man as he just as much is God. A, a mystery. We're never going to get it figured out. Uh, it's fun to think about it, but it is a divine mystery. We'll never fathom it fully or even come close to it. Praise God. But many things about Jesus were extreme. Prayed all night. Fasted 40 days. Oh, Pastor Stephen, fasting's popular now. Oh, really? Uh, you, there are some books out there on fasting that have sold. I wrote a book on fasting, and other good ministers have written books on fasting. But don't, don't think for a minute that fasting by any means is popular. <laughs> oh, Pastor Stephen, everybody on the block has done a 40-day fast. Uh, I don't know what circles you're running in or walking around in, but uh, no, that's very, very rare still. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. But uh, even within business, within uh, ministry, within whatever your field is, whether it's teaching, God can bring an extremeness in your area that is great blessing, brings him great glory. And others look at you and, and in a sense just marvel and say, I don't, I don't know how the person does it. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> you know, what are they seeing? They're, they're seeing that wisdom of God that he put in you, just like he put in the hawk. They're seeing that in you come out, and it is, it's quite amazing. It brings glory to the Lord. Now you have extreme you have you have received extreme unction, okay? Not not to die, <laughs> but to get up off of that bit of lethargy, to get off get up off the bit of complacency, to get up off the bit of solely settling for normalcy and developing this area of your life that I'm telling you is in there. It's in you. Praise the Lord. And trust me, it's going to come out. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus, ask him into your heart right now. He'll give you, are you ready for something ultimately extreme? He'll give you eternal life. His life will come into your spirit. Your spirit will go from death to life solely by praying this prayer in faith. Pray it right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you, I believe you paid the penalty on the cross for my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life today and lead me, and guide me, and in everything that I do. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for extreme salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Praise God. What a Savior. What a Savior. Woo! Praise the Lord. Nobody else like him. He's extreme. Nobody else like him. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion, grab some grape juice, grab a cracker, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We set it apart through this prayer 
as being holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for the developing of the holy extreme, the extreme unction, the extreme anointing. Thank you, not in everything, but in the specialized area. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for gifts and talents flourishing. Thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you receive the Lord's body, some of you are going to do some very, very extreme things. Amen. Get ready. Let's receive together. You know, God does signs and wonders, but sometimes, listen to me, sometimes God will even make you a sign and a wonder that he works through. Well, people see you as a sign and they wonder, what was that all about? Wow, that was wild. That's God using you as a sign and wonder, extreme unction. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, his beautiful cleansing power. We thank you for a consciousness of purity and cleanness through the blood of Christ. We thank you for a right standing with you through the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for all of your gifts and graces. We give you all the praise because you're the one that put them in there, and we return all the glory to you. In Jesus' name, let's say amen. Let's receive. Woo! <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Amen. My friends, before we close, don't forget, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, October 1st, 2023. I think on the last program I said 2024. <laughs> well, it's 2023, okay? October 1st, 2023. Please prepare your best offering. Sow your best seed for the Feast of Tabernacles. Your offering will go towards the remaining balance uh, on our 14.5 acres field of dreams where we're, we're going to build a television studio, okay? Please sow your best seed. Let the Holy Spirit lead you concerning what you should do and do something special. It's the, um, it's the fall feast. Hallelujah. It's the, it's the big one, okay? October 1st. Please get it in uh, either on that date or any time before, and uh, we're still a few weeks out, okay, but October the 1st, 2023. Praise God. Thank you for sowing your best seed. Thank you for joining me today. Father, bless your people. We thank you that the extreme unction is now flowing. They're going to function in extreme unction. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. See you back real soon. Bye-bye.